Hey Manny, what are you having for lunch? I don't know. I had a savory waffle from Bites and Bowls for breakfast. It was so satisfying. Yeah, I heard they have great food at Bites and Bowls. I'm gonna order a sandwich and a salad from there. Great, order me a smoothie, please. Of course. Whether you're looking for breakfast or lunch, come to Bites and Bowls, a fun Latin-owned eatery in East Springdale. Hey everybody. In this episode, we do mention death and funerals quite a bit. So we wanted to give anybody that may be extra sensitive to this subject a heads up. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hey everyone, we're back with the District 3 Podcast. This is episode 103. My name is Irvin. Hey, and I'm Manny. And uh, today we're actually joined by someone I just met recently at the uh, Salvadorian Festival that happened a few weeks ago here in Springdale, Arkansas. He is the Apprentice Funeral Director of the Benton County Funeral Home, Oscar Alvarenga. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me over, you know, um, this is kind of nice, you know, being able to do this and get information out there to the community more than anything. Yeah, we were kind of talking, like, I didn't know. I, I was trying to look you up a little bit um, before this interview, and I saw that you're actually serving on the Avoca City Council. Can you talk yes, a little bit so about I'm, that? I've been doing that, probably got into it about a year and a half ago, and then this year, you know, we had to run for elections, so we, you have to get back on the ballot and all that. Mm-hmm. So um, I started trying to get involved more into the community and letting, you know, people out there know that, you know, the Hispanic community is out here to represent everybody, you know, and, and be there and, and voice their opinion for everybody, you know. Um, that's one of the biggest factors I've really gotten involved with everything that I'm doing, you know, is being able to have a voice out there for the Hispanic community. That's so cool. Uh, w- so you wanted to get involved to represent. Um, is is getting involved uh, intimidating? Was it intimidating for you? Because I know that we're right now breaking barriers of getting people elected into into office just in general in Arkansas, right? And then in Avoca? For me, it was more... When somebody tells me I can't do something, I'm going to say, all right, I'm going to show you that I'm able to do it and, you know, provide and do it as best as I can with the best of my abilities, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, the stereotype of, you know, the Hispanics not doing something, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not, you know, normally seen that a Hispanic is involved in this stuff, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's always a good way to start stuff, you know, um, being involved with the community and showing them that, you know, you're able to be able to do this stuff and, provide that that voice that sometimes is missing you know and how, how has it been so far since you've been elected I think it was it was it 2018 when you start when you ran so I ran yeah 18 yeah and, and um, so it's been what you've been elected for two years now two right? years yes and how has that two experience years. been it's it's been a good experience really I mean um, I'm one I'm one of the youngest council members so most yeah, of the council members you? I'm only 31 okay so yeah. you know a lot of the council members are a lot older you know and, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're stuck in their ways you know and not saying they're wrong you know um, sometimes it's just with Northwest Arkansas growing as it is, um, we have to look at different views of, of stuff, you know, and um, we're, a lot of the people are not used to that, you know. A lot, well, I mean, when you think about Avoca, you know, it's it's a country place, you know, it's mm. but it's growing. It's, it's Rogers is growing, the north, you know, Northwest Arkansas is growing, so everything is going to grow around this area, you know, and um, bringing in new ideas and looking at it from a different view, looking at it from a, a, a younger generation view, you know, makes a big difference too, and. And sometimes, you know, just like any council members, you know, we all butt heads from time to time. But at the end of the day, we come to somewhat of an agreement, you know. That's good. Yeah. Oscar, how long have you been living in Avoca? I've been living in Avoca for about, well, let's see, about close to 
18 years, roughly? 18 years, yeah. so yeah. I, the majority of your life. Yeah, the, for the sure. majority of my life, yes. Uh, and we were talking about where you where you live prior to here. You you were born in New York, right? Yes, I was born in New York, Long Island, New York. Yeah, so, okay, shout out to anybody <laughs> from Long Island. Uh, and, then, and then moved straight to Arkansas? Yes. Okay, yep. so when so you were like 13. So my dad ended up getting a Walmart job yeah. uh-huh. out here, so. You know, just like everybody says, either Walmart, Tyson, or some type mm-hmm. of a, large industry out here in northwest arkansas brings their family out here that's how we ended up out here yeah. you know that's your awesome. parents are salvadorian my parents are from a Salvador, yes sir and how long have they been here in the country they've been here so let's see my mom was here whenever she was 16 years old 17 oh, years old yeah so that's same same as my parents they came in their teens about the same time wow yeah. that's crazy we were talking about before we started recording that this is the second Salvadorian guest in, in, in a row. row. Yeah. We're presenting here at the District 3 Podcast. <laughs> um, out of the many things that you do, you know, besides uh, being a city councilman, um, one of the, I guess, where we kind of started communicating was about your work as the apprentice funeral director. And I think one of the most important things to talk about is preparing for when family members pass away and preparing before, way before it happens, right? Correct. It's important. Correct. So, you know, with everything going on, a lot of a lot of people have been looking at it differently now, you know. Um, I know my parents, you know, the Hispanic community, I mean, my parents are big on, you know, not talking about the subject, you know. They're like, what, you know, you, are you trying to tell me that I'm going to die pretty soon or yeah, something like that? Yeah. And it's not the case, you know. It's more leaving your loved ones not in a tough situation. Um, that's the biggest thing is, you know, having stuff set up, you know, either getting a pre-need or getting a life insurance, you know. Um, it's always great to do that. So what do you recommend for people? Like, what's the first step? Let's say, for example, I wanted to start uh, preparing. You know, not, of course, I don't think I'm going to die soon. Hopefully not, right? But how do I take that first step to start preparing so that I don't leave a burden for my family when it comes to to paying for my funeral? So a lot of people, you know, that's a good question. They ask, you know, where to start. You can always start where you have your local, you know, car insurance and say, hey, I've been looking at life insurance. Um, What's it going to cost me? Now, if you're young, you're in your 18s, 19s, 20, you know, to 30, you can get a really cheap policy for, you know, $20 a month, mm. and it covers your life, you know, on, mm. on your your funeral arrangements and stuff like that. Now, once you start getting into the 50s and 60s and 70s, that's where life insurance starts getting a little more expensive. But there's different ways of, of, of life insurance. There's terms. There's a whole life, you know. And if some people can't afford that, and um, because of their health conditions and stuff, that's whenever they come with me and they can get a pre-need, mm. which is a pre-arrangement of your funeral service. Okay. We do a contract with everything you want to do for your funeral service, and you pick what you want, and then we set a rate. You start paying, you know, what I tell people is $35 a month. Mm. You know, that's the bare minimum you can pay on it. And, and let's say health conditions get worse for you or something happens, you lose your job, you know, and I, we understand t- times are getting tough nowadays, you know. Um, you can, if you stop paying, you don't lose that, you know. You still have that more like a savings account there. Mm-hmm. So let's say the day that you pass and you paid, you know, $2,000 into it, you don't lose those $2,000. Those $2,000 get, you know, put towards your funeral cost. You know, the first time I kind of heard about something like this, I think it was like in Texas. I was in Texas for something. And I saw a sign on the road that says, you know, have you prepared for your funeral? And to be honest, like, I don't like to think about death at all. Like, I don't, like, it It's it makes me anxious, gives me a lot of anxiety, um, and I try to avoid it at all costs. But I'm also kind of, as the older I get, I think to myself, you know what, I don't want to leave a burden 
for my family and people like my stepfather for example who's already in his 70s he paid his funeral already like 10 years ago so yeah. he actually heard about this and he started paying it and he's told me yo like hey if, if anything ever happens to me y'all don't have to cover my funeral i already paid for it so i think it's super cool to to do that um but i think it kind of takes us like <laughs> to be committed to to understanding that people that we are eventually gonna die right right so it's the only thing that's guaranteed in life 100 percent. yeah yeah i mean yeah. once once you're born the, the one other thing that you for sure are gonna do is die yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that is correct you know um it, it, as morbid as the town yeah you know, that's true <laughs> yeah so of course we you you've given us the steps on like what to do what to do at first um, and I hope people take that into consideration and look into it. Um, so if they wanted to, for ex if people were listening, if for exactly wanted to, wanted to start already that process and you're the only person that they've heard talk about this process, how can they reach you? Well, this? they can reach, they can reach me at Benton County Funeral Home, you know, they can come in. Um, they can actually call me to my personal cell phone number, which is 479-616-0979. And that's my personal cell phone. You can call me anytime, you know, my phone's works 24 7 um, so if you have any questions and more than anything if you just want to sit down and chat yeah I'm willing to take the time and just sit down and chat and take you through the steps and or you know even guide you more than anything um, sometimes you know you don't have to get something with me it's more I'm willing to give you some guidance and say these are the steps and this mm. is where you can go and this is what you need or what you don't need you know yeah yeah and you kind of gave me some advice because I know I was talking to you about like how my father's ashes are in Mexico Correct. And I told you, like, hey, like, how, how, le how, how do I bring them to the U.S. legally, and what's that process? And you kind of gave me, you know, through text some tips. So I really appreciate that. So the fact that you're willing to do that for the community, is super cool too. Um, and besides that, besides like the funeral planning, what does your job consist of, man? My job consists of, I mean, really, uh, um, preparations of removals. You know, picking up where the person has the, the deceased has passed away. You know. Um, Sometimes, you know, meeting with the families, doing the selections of stuff, paperwork, you know, translating stuff, getting mm -hmm. all that stuff situated, you know, for, for families, um, arranging flights if they are wanting to be transported to their native country. We actually do a lot of that, too. Um, there's a big process on that. And really, with everything going on with COVID and all that, it's kind of delayed it a little longer. You know, a lot of people get frustrated and say, hey, Oscar, you know, I want my beloved one in Mexico the next day that's not going to happen and that's that's the most realistic thing that for us you know we got so many steps you can't just transport somebody from here to mexico and and be done you know no you do you have mm -hmm. to get the proper documentation to be even able to do that you know usually that's a weak turnaround is that is that part of the process that preparing uh can you can you take any of those steps beforehand like saying hey i want to get flown if something happens you, to me, you can you can to. kind of set up some of that stuff you know yeah. let's say you you tell me, hey, you know, I want to be shipped to El Salvador. All right. Well, mm -hmm. this is already the steps. You know what? We're going to put an estimate of roughly about a thousand dollars for your flight. You know, and then we're going to do like, okay, you want to do this type of casket, and then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be like, hey, look, uh, the casket information is this size because sometimes the the tubes that they do in Mexico or in El Salvador are smaller because the caskets over there they're a lot smaller mm -hmm. the United States caskets are a little bit bigger so I always give them the dimension so that whenever they do you know their stones and all that for their uh, burial it's the right size yeah oh man it's 
a lot of information. Yeah, yeah, it's very complicated. It makes sense why you would want to uh, end up planning these things. What other, I mean, we're talking about how much it may cost. What other costs might be incurred whenever uh, a passing happens? So whenever a passing happens, you know, you got your, your funeral charge, your funeral home charges, which that in, in, entails, you know, the preparation, the removal of a 48-mile radius, you know, um, the embalming of the body, the use of the facility, uh, the transportation to the church, you know, if you want to go to church or mass, um, the use of the hearse and all of that. And then you still got the cost of your um, casket, you know, flowers, memorial books, um, opening and closing, cemetery setups, grave space. You got a lot of stuff that gets involved in that. You know, you don't realize how many stuff you actually got to purchase to be buried. You know, you got death certificates, you got apple stools and all that documentation too. And then you all kind of help out with that whole process to not make it as stressful, I guess. So the way we do it, we do it, we do everything for you. You know, we sit down and we say, all right, this and this, we'll contact, you know, everybody will make sure that everybody knows what needs to be done prior to the burial and services. Okay. So how do you, how do you even consider that you want to do this for, for a career? How do you, how does this even... How does this even happen? <laughs> uh, man, for me, it started, you know, my best friend, um, his mom owns a funeral home. Okay. So, you know, we were kind of just grew into it type of deal, you know. Mm. So um, I've had several apprentices that have gone through us, you know, and they they haven't been able to do the job because after a while, you know, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. You know, um, dealing with the sadness of families, it can get, it can take a toll on any human body, you know. It's just we're all humans, and being around that for so long, you you gotta take some time off to. I was gonna to ask relax, you then, how you know? do you how do you take care of yourself in that aspect? Like, do you do therapy? Like, I do. A, so a lot of my friends give me give me a hard time. I go on vacation a lot, uh, you know. So I'll take you know a month or a month at a time and go a week here, a week there, mm. you know, and just distress, you know. Mm. Um, some people, you know, that like you say, go to therapy, you know, mm-hmm. to just have somebody to talk to because you can't just talk to anybody and say, hey, th- I've seen this today or yeah, we had uh, this, you know. Um, yeah. Sometimes better to talk to a professional about that kind yep. of stuff. Yeah. That's correct. Where, where, where are some of the places you vacation to? I, I really like to stay in, inside the country mm-hmm. um, with everything going on. I've been, you know, going a lot to the beach lately. Yeah. Know, right. A lot of outdoor stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, Good. It's probably the, a safe call. Yeah, that is safe. You know, at the same time, you know, um, I like to ride my horses around the farm, so yeah. I do a lot of that, too. That can be therapeutic. Yeah, you know, absolutely. To be able to do that outside, I think it's, it's super important. So do you do you think that you're taking care of yourself enough mentally with doing this job? Do you think you're doing enough? To, do, you, does it, do you feel good after a vacation to be like, okay, I'm ready for work? Oh, yes. Uh, you take a vacation and you unwind down and it's... It's nice. It's relaxing. Then you come back like refreshed and full of energy, you know, and just ready to start again. And then after a month, you're like, all right, I need some time off and go, even if it's to Branson for three or four days, you know, just relax and do nothing. Just like I tell people, I was like, when I go on vacation, I want to be lazy. Yeah. I was like, I do not want to <laughs> do nothing. If I wake up at 10 o'clock, I wake up at 10 o'clock, which is hard for me to do because I'm up by 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning. Oh. You know, it's just kind of natural now your natural alarm and what about that schedule uh how does it look like i know you whenever i asked you to be on this podcast you were like well i don't know if i'm going to be able to because then i might get called i got called this morning about this and this and that yeah so how does that look like <laughs> so like this week you know 
mom was on vacation this week, so mm-hmm. it was a long week for me because I had the phone. So, you know, whenever that phone rings, it's it's a twenty four hour phone, you know, mm-hmm. and you get you're available twenty four hours, three hundred sixty five days, you know, a day. So year round, that phone is on. And so you don't know how, you, you know, you can't schedule and say, hey, I'll be here and then not be able to because you have to go to the hospital or hospice or, or somebody's home to, to do a removal, you know. Oh. So there's not a time schedule for, for any of that stuff. Yeah. It's intense. Uh, that's crazy. I'm thinking about it now. Like, man, hopefully none of us pass away soon. Right, Manny? Well, yeah. <laughs> what, if, what if Oscar has to pick us up? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, at least we know we have somebody that we can trust right? and, and, and have our have our uh, family talk to. The, the biggest thing that I tell people, I was like, look, you know, you, I, I, I live the day of, you know, mm-hmm. I don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's not guaranteed. Mm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all do haircuts too? So. Because I want to look like. I'm there's pointing. times, you know, that. Families will request us. I will. Uh, we usually have somebody that comes and cuts your hair, you know, and trims you up. Um, I do a lot of, you know, the the facial hair, and uh, the makeup and stuff like that. Oh man, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to take everything in that he's saying. I'm just yeah. kind of like I, I couldn't do that. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I, I respect it, but Oscar lives his day. I mean, you were talking. <laughs> uh, one one other thing you mentioned is is that you're your uh, chief. I'm a captain. Captain of, of the of the fire department for Avoca. Uh, yes. Avoca. So I mean, like, if, for somebody to be able to go and and you know put their life on the line, like you know you're 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 living uh, every single day. You have to really appreciate life. Yeah, you, I mean, you got, you the way you're living, it, yes. especially yeah. man, all the things yeah. that you're involved in. So what's that like? I mean, talk to me about being a captain for for especially a rural. Uh, so a, a department. lot, a lot of the biggest things going on right now with a lot of the rural fire departments, you know, is having the personnel. Mm. Um, the personnel's not there no more. It's harder and harder to get people to want to even just volunteer and take the time, you know, mm. to do this stuff. Um, it's it's getting really hard to even get people to go on calls, you know, and stuff like that. So if you're around an area that has a local fire department, you know, and you have some time, it's it's nice to have some extra help. And you know, the, the nice thing is they'll train you and send you to the courses you need to go in the fire academy and all that stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds you like, uh, how lucky we are that we here where we have like three or four big fire departments, you know? Um, but out there you're, you're looking, you called it a, a, a hybrid department, right? Yes. So what does that mean? It's a combination department. So you have, you know, certain shit, certain time of the days that it's covered by full-time guys. And then at night it becomes a volunteer department. Wow. Yeah. So what what uh what shift do you work? So I do a lot of the volunteering time, mm-hmm. um, just because of my hectic schedule with everything else. So that's what I, I I do more than anything, you know. Do you have a family right now? Like, are you married? I don't. I am not married. I do have a daughter. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say like yeah. how like how can like it's hard to to keep a marriage just in general, you know, healthy and everything, and yeah. then doing all that, doing the <laughs> firefighter, doing the doing the uh, city council, and then doing your regular day to job. Uh, but just in general, even if you're not married right now, that's still a lot. How do yeah. you juggle all that? It, it is a lot, you know. It's just like my daughter, you know. I mean, she's she's with me today. You know, she was at the funeral home hanging out with me. You know, she was just on the computer, just mm. playing around. She? She's 12 years old, so she's okay. growing around the funeral home in diapers. I mean, she's yeah. been there since she was a little girl. She's that next to friends coming. Well, up. That's, what she <laughs> told, that's what she told her mom. She she actually told her mom she wants to become the mortician. <laughs> so she wants to do the other side of what I don't do. Yeah, is the preparation of the body. You know, embalming the bodies and stuff like that. Okay, so how do you get involved with that? I know that my wife Myra, um, 
she has been wanting to do that as a part time. But you told me you can't really do that work as a part time. That it has to be kind of like a full time commitment. It's, it's, it's almost a pretty much a full time commitment. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, you know, if if you take on call, you're you got to be available at night. Whatever what about time, for a mortician? Know. Morticians are the same ways too. So, yep. so how do you how do you like? Is there? I know there has to be some study for this, right? Yes. Like, so there's a. Um, Oh, there's a school out here in Arkansas that um, does all that. You know, they'll send okay. you to you know mortician school and all that. Um, a lot of people either go to Texas or Oklahoma to some of the bigger morti- mortician schools. You know, mm. is there some? Is there like a lot of opportunities for people that are wanting to do that? Is it like a career field where they they need a lot of people right now, or is it kind of like pretty good? I, I'll tell is? you, a, a lot of the the career wise, if you want to become a mortician. There's, there's opportunities, at, you know, at embalming services and stuff like that. Um, getting into a funeral home is more of a tighter niche. Okay. Um, it, it's it's a little harder to get into, you know. If you do get your foot in the door, you might as well take the opportunity and, and run with it, you know, mm. if you're into it. Okay. So are you still with the people you that originally got you involved? Yes. Okay. So I've, it's been I've been there for 14 years already, so. Okay. And when you said when you said mom, were you talking about like the owner of the yes. place? Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were talking about yes. your mom no, or no, you're no, talking no. about no, his friend's yeah. mom, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. And how long have you been involved with the Bank County Funeral Home? I've been 14 years there. 14 years. Yeah. Man, the things that you've probably seen. Yes, sir. Will you ever write a book <laughs> cuz I think you probably have a lot of stories between that, between the fire department and between city council and Avoca, I feel like that's probably like a lot of things that you can kind of teach people about and, and only being 31. Yeah, already living a full life, man. Yeah, you know, it, it's one of those that I just make myself useful and try to be out there on doing stuff, you know, being active. Um, recently with everything, the pandemic going on, I figured, you know, start trying to get involved a little bit more with the community, you know, taking out the hearse and just having people look at it. Um, oh, yeah, that's what I saw at the Salvadoran Festival. Like, it had, like, some lights in the front. Yes. And I put... I'm not sure if you saw it, but I put it on Instagram, and I was like, oh, like, this is, this is so cool. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's just, it's mostly, like, destigmatizing the death talk, right? Yes, and, and a lot of it, you know, our funeral ho- coach that we have is, is a lot different than everybody else's funeral coach. We have an antique-looking funeral coach, you know, so um, usually we're driving down the road, and people are trying to take picture, pictures while we're doing a, a procession, <laughs> you know, and then they're doing thumbs up, and then they we're... We're serious, so, I mean, we can't just wave at them and say hi, you know? Yeah. And then they kind of look back, and they're like, oh, man. Then their faces from smile go to, like, a frown, like, oh, whoops, sorry, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a procession, there's going, a procession on. going on whenever they yeah. see the, the casket in the back. Yeah. yeah, when you were at the Salvadorian Festival, I saw some, like, older ladies, like, you know, getting that Facebook picture in. They were just, like, posing by the, <laughs> by the putting their arm next to their hip and, like, taking pictures and stuff. And I thought that was really cool. Yes, I, I, I did. So you know, there's a lot of people doing that. <laughs> yeah. And then I seen a lot, you know, there was one gentleman that I had, you know, his wife's like, take a picture for me. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that, you know. <laughs> he's like, there's no way. He just walked away. And then she's like, do you mind taking the picture for me? I was like, yeah, yeah. I'll take the picture for you, she, you know. <laughs> But it's it's it goes back to that talk we were having earlier, and you know, the, the 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 just to having to talk about death or being around, you know, a funeral car, you know, the the stereotype that the Hispanic community we put into that of just saying, hey, we don't really talk about that, you know, um, is is big. I mean, yeah. it, it's we don't realize it. We just do it naturally. I mean, we grow into it, you know, yeah. because our parents don't ever talk us and tell us about this you know mm-hmm. it's something oh no we don't talk about that you know mm-hmm. so you we've, we've talked about um, 
part of the process when people want to prepare. I'm an organ donor. What's the process if I'm to if I'm to die? Like, do people still reach out to you? Like, do, would my family reach out to you uh, right when it happens? Or like, how do you deal with the people that are that so? Are whenever you're organs? whenever you're an organ donor, let's say um, you pass at the hospital, the hospital will contact Aurora, which is the donation um, body donation for organ donors. Okay. You know, so and then. If they do accept your body, they are going to transport you to Little Rock. They have a facility there that do the organ removals for, okay. for you, you know. Um, and then that, then they have, they send you back to us, to the funeral home. And that's whenever we do the embalming. Okay. And you personally do that? I don't embalm. No. Nope. Okay. No, it's nope. the mortician. No, nope. that's the, and that's yep. the, and is there is there several morticians in your in your business or is there just there, there's several morticians right now and actually with everything going on, they're running thin. You know, okay. with with all the COVID stuff and staying oh. so busy, you know. Oh my God! Get vaccinated, y'all. Wear your masks. Um, any other information you want to give to people regarding the work that you're doing with the funeral home, or or just community, community? Really, more than anything, just get with somebody, you know, and talk to your family what you want whenever you pass. Mm. I think that's the biggest subject nowadays. Is you know, whenever somebody passes. Well, we heard him say that he wanted to be cremated or yeah. he wanted to be buried or he wanted to go back to his native country. Um, try to have that talk with your family. Don't leave your family in that tight situation where they don't know exactly what to do or how to do it, you know. Yeah. And then just find yourself, you know, somebody to talk to on funeral stuff and arrangements. And, you know, if you want to come with me, you're more than welcome to. We'll set you up an appointment and get you some information. Yeah, Oscar. How do how do people get a hold of you? Again, they can get a hold of me through my phone number, which is four seven nine six one six zero nine seven nine, or they can get a hold of me at the funeral home, which is four seven nine six three six sixty seven hundred. Make sure you contact Oscar. Um, he's at the Bank County Funeral Home, like he said. Do more. Try to prepare for for anything you know that might happen. Um, I know that the only thing that I've prepared for right now is like I have a funeral playlist on Spotify and that's about it. <laughs> so we definitely need to do more than that. So make sure you contact Oscar. Uh, but thank you for joining us. Yeah, this thank week. you for the invite. Hopefully people take this information and uh, do something productive with it. Uh, but once again, I repeat, please get vaccinated and please wear your mask. And that's the end of the episode this week. Um, catch you all next week. Peace.